Welcome to the Almamac. Today I have a very special guest, Dr. John Bandler. So listeners might recall we had uh, we had Dr. Bandler on last semester and we talked about the ethics of science communication. And in that episode we talked a lot about the three-minute thesis. Well, it's coming up again. The competition is coming up and uh, Dr. Bandler is actually hosting a workshop on preparing to present all of that, you know, scientific data, experimental data that you've collected in a nice, succinct three minutes. So I'd really like to thank you for coming on the show. And, uh, yeah. Great. Thanks, Adam. I, 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 we had a great interview before. I was really impressed by what you pulled out of me. And we'll see what <laughs> happens today. So I'm happy to be here. Great. So this, um, this workshop, it's coming up next Thursday, correct? Correct. Yeah, Thursday at 5 p.m., ABB 102. Okay. And so can you give us a little teaser of the kind of stuff that uh, you'll be talking about during the workshop? Uh, th- there's a few antics that we'll be pulling that will, that will be, be a surprise even to Michelle and to Erica. So come and watch for yourself. <laughs> Erica and Michelle don't know what's in store for them. Okay, that's, that's worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> So the, the, the main idea is that you're going to be helping people compact right, their, right, their right, information. Right, 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 yeah. So on a, on a more serious note, a three-minute thesis uh, from my perspective over the years that I've been involved in it can really be career-changing. I mean, it can be totally career-changing because most graduate students tend to be huddled in a lab or in a cubicle, you know, day after day, week after week, churning out technical reports or even preparing presentations that are going to be delivered in a monotone, boring way. And it seems to be the fashion that a technical presentation has to bore everybody. Okay, And so everybody prepares a boring presentation because the previous one was boring, so mine should be boring. Maybe that's what they expect. Now, 3MT turns this on its head and says, uh, you better be engaging, you better be clear. And the bottom line for me is, Anybody who stumbles into that room while a three-minute thesis presentation is going on should be able to get the gist of what is going on and should say, oh, that's, that's amazing, and actually be compelled to stay there and finish rather than duck out because they don't understand anything. So uh, the whole idea is to, is to be able to communicate to the general public Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that, that's the essence of yeah. three-minute thesis. So what are the rules? It's three minutes. Slides? Yeah. One slide? That's correct. Less than three minutes. I mean, three ah. minutes is not a target. Three minutes is the maximum. Right, okay. Okay. But some people see it as a target. You give somebody 20 minutes and they think of it as a target and they race towards 20 <laughs> minutes. You give them 50, they race towards 50. Mm-hmm. You give them three and they think they have to race towards three. But the whole idea is three is the maximum, so you can do it in two and a half, you can do it in two, uh, do it in one minute. Um, One slide. And that slide has to be up there the entire time. And one of the secrets that we'll be talking about in the workshop is the fact that we think of a picture as being equivalent to a thousand words. (laughs) Well, your three-minute presentation it better not be much more than 350, 360 words. So the slide is actually projecting a thousand words at that audience. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to overwhelm the audience. That slide has to actually be simple. Because yeah. if it has any detail in it whatsoever, the audience is going to be distr- distracted from, your, from the speech. 
and we're focusing on the slides. What's going on? What is this? Why don't I understand it? Mm -hmm. So this, I emphasize simplicity on the slides. So anyway, one static slide, maximum three minutes, and there's a whole bunch of rules that you can see, for example, on the School of Graduate Studies website, or mm -hmm. go to Queensland where the three-minute thesis was born, see the rules for the judges. But, you know, honestly, you can forget about those rules. The bottom line is it has to be understandable to anybody that walks into that room. Mm -hmm. And that's what the judges are actually looking for. Okay. So I'm in the process of preparing for for a, a conference from people within my field happening at the end of the month. So I'm preparing something completely different from from what Three Minute Thesis is all about. I'm concerned with you know methods and sort of the, the story of like what the, the full experiment is about and the nitpicky details are very important, but that that's out the window in three minutes. There's just no you time. You can't do it. No, absolutely. You have to give an overview, and it's good that you brought that up because in most technical papers, uh, presentations, you know, the experts expect you to unveil some of the details so they can verify the authenticity. One of the downsides with three-minute thesis is, in a way, it's sort of so general, it's such an overview that, you know, that you're not necessarily giving enough detail to make an expert feel comfortable necessarily, but mm -hmm. that's not the point of it. Right. Um, so I always uh, indicate you have to hook the audience, um, draw them in, tell them in a way, convey who you are, what your qualifications are, in a very simple way. You say, my name is John Smith and I'm a PhD student. That's enough. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and then indicate why you're in this? What, why is it important to the listener? What does it do for that person who's listening? Mm -hmm. And give an overview, a quick gist of what the exp the, the the idea is and the, the results might be, and yeah. and then bring it bring it full circle to how you hooked them in the first place. Yeah, sort of wetting their appetite. You don't have to give them the no, whole meal. No, the <laughs> whole idea is to get the audience to want more. Mm -hmm. In a typical technical presentation, most people want less. Right. I mean, how many technical presentations have you been in where you say, I wish the speaker would stop. I wish yeah. this thing would end. I, I was happy at the three-minute mark. Three I minutes seemed, <laughs> seemed all right. right. Now, here's, the, here's something that... I have seen done, and it works very effectively. Um, I co-proposed and, and, and organized a three-minute thesis competition for an IEEE uh, conference in Honolulu in 2017. <laughs> and some of the contestants, including Daniel Tajik, who is from McMaster University, who won and was also the audience choice, um, what he did and what some of the others did is they they reduced their three-minute presentation to maybe a minute or so, perhaps with their, tech, their slide, uh -huh. and used that as an intro to their technical presentation. Wow. That's and I thought that was very effective. Some of them did that very effectively. Yeah. Even if you spend two or three minutes, at least, at least you, 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 you address the broad mm -hmm. um, audience. Even technical people appreciate that. Yeah, there's a, I guess there's a lot of overlap between what you want to be doing at the beginning of a technical presentation and what three-minute thesis is all about. Right. That, that kind of makes sense. You really, for what I'm preparing for the end of the month, I really need to set the stage and motivate it well. Right. 
and make sure people want to stay in the room and not go to another exactly, section. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And honestly, technical people uh, and take a thesis defense, mm -hmm. uh, particularly with people who are outside your field, outside your department. They really appreciate why this is useful and. And so, in fact, they often ask questions. So why don't you short circuit that yeah. and start off with, uh, uh, you know, a one-minute presentation or a three-minute presentation from a very, very general point of view, rather yeah. than diving straight into mathematics, for example. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, maybe we can do something extra special for this episode. Um, Great. We have a couple examples. So let's maybe hop over to YouTube, check them out, and then uh, talk about them a little bit. Sounds good to me. Awesome. X-rays cause cancer. It's a little unnerving to think about, isn't it? I'm sure most of us here have had X-ray scans done at some point in our lives, and it's obvious why. The benefits of diagnosing diseases outweighs the risks of creating cancer. Yet it begs a question. Is this really the best we can do? I think there may be a better way. Microwaves. And no, I'm not talking about the kind I cook my popcorn in. I'm talking about microwave radiation similar in power level to the Wi-Fi signals bouncing all around us. You see, in comparison to x-rays, microwaves have a clear advantage. They're non-ionizing, which means they don't cause cancer. You may be saying to yourself, that sounds amazing, but why don't we see this in hospitals right now? And the answer to that is twofold. It either takes hours to produce an image, or the image resolution is too poor to see anything. And that is where my work steps in. My name is Daniel Tajik, and I'm developing an algorithm known as microwave holography. Microwave holography is a mathematical strategy to reconstructing 2D and 3D images. It works by performing a mapping between two things. One, an estimate of how the electromagnetic waves travel inside human tissue, and two, a blurry microwave image. By mapping these two things together, I can extract a clear image. Now, there are other imaging strategies out there that perform some kind of mapping. But in order to understand how those electromagnetic waves travel, they have to use expensive computers that take hours. I do something a little bit different. I image a blueberry. Okay, that, that may sound a little bit ridiculous, but hear me out. Blueberries are easy to handle, and their electrical properties very closely mimic that of tissue. By measuring the electrical properties of a blueberry, I gain an understanding of how those electromagnetic waves travel inside and around tissue. This makes my algorithm run in seconds and, incredibly, appears to improve image resolution. It seems that it's actually better to uh, rather measure how those electromagnetic waves travel inside tissue than to try and estimate how they travel using expensive computers. My goal is to bring microwave holography to clinical use in the next five years. So hopefully, the next time you go to get a scan done, instead of thinking, is this going to give me cancer? You're thinking, what smells like popcorn? Thank you. He took a bit of a risk there. Mm -hmm. He's talking about cancer detection, yeah. and then at the end he ends on a, on a kind of a lighter note about sniffing and popcorn. And I, because I co-supervise Daniel, mm -hmm. and he spent the better part of two or three months preparing and rehearsing that. He really did a lot of work on it, and I, I remember telling him that ending could be highly controversial. You know, you may uh, you don't know how the audience is going to react. Right. Some people might think 
like you should be taking this more seriously. Exactly, like, exactly, exactly, exactly. I guess um, the subject of the joke, though, is is, is not so. Yeah. So well, let me give you a spo- spoiler alert. Oh. We'll be talking about gender issues. Ah, okay. And, uh, and, and at least I will bring that up in the workshop. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether a man can get away with jokes while a woman may not be able to get away with jokes mm. on serious subjects. So, spoiler alert, let's see what conclusion we come to on uh, Thursday at 5 o'clock in ABB 102. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, something that I actually noticed as well yeah. that maybe you can, you can um, weigh in on, the point of the blueberry in right. this whole thing, right. that's just something he puts into, just as a, a, as a model. He, well, it, it, no, it, he actually carry, does experiments with it. Mm-hmm. So, so, he... He, um, uh, what is the word? He does uh, actual experiments with pieces of chicken, mm-hmm. with 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 jam and 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 peanut butter, and and embeds blueberries in 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 that kind of mix, because it has it has uh, sort of electrical properties that are similar to human tissue, right. so that he can simulate human tissue without actually having to use it. Okay, so based on the picture. At first guess, I would have imagined when he's talking about using blueberries, and right. it's like, why would you care about using blueberries? It exactly. just seems like a weird thing. You're talking about cancer, and then right? And remember, he that slide was up. Although you don't see it in the video, and that's another issue that I'll talk about. When you watch videos, you know, do you see the slide the whole time? Is it uh, how did the videographer do the editing and processing? Mm-hmm. All of this is something that the judges didn't see. So right. the judges will reach an opinion based on what they saw on, live, not on the video. So coming back to this, remember the judges and the audience would have seen that for that entire length of time. When, what is that blueberry doing there? But it's a very simple slide, so mm-hmm. it's not very complex. They, they don't have to really kind of scratch their heads too much. Right. But then he unveils that mystery about halfway through the presentation. Yeah. It's an interesting like split between like the blueberry big picture doesn't really matter for the like overarching motivation good point but it's very important for the specific stuff that he exactly. does exactly so and i actually really like that it, and he refer he gestures to it that slide plays a role mm-hmm. and he gestures at it yeah it's not an afterthought that was very carefully selected what happens so many times is uh, students will write a script, prepare the script, and figure out, how should I decorate this with a slide? Mm. And it, it, that's usually thumbs down. Right. Because then they have no particular reason for referring to the slide. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. It seemed like it, uh, it was really what opened the door to making this specific to him. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. exactly. And Michelle Ogrodnik, uh, who was partly he- helpful in the uh, rehearsal process, uh-huh. dubs him Blueberry Man. <laughs> Is that uh, the choice of tie? Yes, yes. Associated with this as well. Well, talking about ties, don't don't, don't joke. We have dre- you know with serious three MT students that I will coach, and I'm uh-huh. happy to work one on one with anybody that walks in my door up to a limit. Okay, <laughs> but we may have dress rehearsals, mm-hmm. literally with ties, shirts, how long the tie needs to be. Uh, well, know, it's the first thing people see, really. Absolutely, right? first impressions are really important. Mm-hmm. I like uh I like sometimes you see these like uh 
political uh, people will sort of dissect what uh, a politician is wearing and everything, and like the news likes to eat that up when there's not a lot else to talk about. No, no. But well, I like the the rolled up sleeves. You can right. tell he gets in the lab good, and he yeah, does you know, stuff. That's a good. I had. <laughs> To be honest with you, I hadn't noticed that. That's a great touch. Not and, sure if that's just out of comfort, but it said something to me, I guess. Yeah. No, no. Good. A really good point. You know what's interesting about gestures and about dress and so on? If everything works, mm-hmm. it becomes transparent. You don't see it. Mm. It doesn't jump out at you. Right. And that's what you want. So that's right. You know, in all these years, I hadn't noticed that he rolled up his sleeves. Oh. So that's something new. <laughs> okay, so let's see. What else can we point out about this guy? He was, yeah, his hand Correct. gestures were, were not over the top, not like Correct. taking away from anything. They looked authentic. They, they, did. they, they didn't look overly practiced. Uh huh. I like uh, the consistency with microwaves always being. Correct, correct. And you use the analogy, as I say to try to dispel the idea that he's building a microwave oven or cooking something. Mm-hmm. In fact, if you think carefully about it, when you use microwaves to detect breast cancer, the last thing you want to do is to heat up the tissue. Yeah. So you, it's the opposite of cooking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I guess I personally wasn't thinking microwave oven when he started talking about it until he said it, but I, I don't think I'm the average person in the room. No, no, exactly, exactly. And so that person's probably thinking the whole time. That's right. Microwave oven, microwave oven, etc., right, etc. Right. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. He's targeting a different audience than right. necessarily the most technically minded. Right, right. Um, okay, so we have another one. Yes. Um, That's Kanshu Zhang. And of course, he's from the electrical and computer engineering department here uh-huh. at McMaster. By the way, he's at Apple in California doing an internship right now. Oh, wow. That would be a cool yeah, one to get yeah, into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. I wonder if he gets to sleep in their nap pods during the workday. Uh, I think there's a lot of perks that they have over there, including free food, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. They really just want you to live in their office. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, well. Okay, so we also have another 3MT. Yeah, that's Kanshu Zhang. Okay. And so. she's, she was also a, a master's student uh, in the Department of Electrical and Computer Engineering. Right, okay. And were they competing the same year? Well, interestingly, in 2018, they were competing in the, in the f- very first uh, three-minute thesis competition in our department. Mm. It's now mandatory in electrical and computer engineering. All graduate students have to do a 3MT. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, they will. It's part of the requirement now. Hmm. So that time, it was the first 3MT we'd ever had, and she and Daniel were in the same competition. Have you, your relatives, your friends, ever suffered from a stroke? A stroke could happen to you at any time. You may even be completely unaware of it. Late diagnosis could result in permanent disability or even death. My name is Tan Xiu. I want to detect this condition earlier and prevent these tragedies from occurring. Let me tell you about the brain. Brain cell activity generate brain waves. They reveal information about this activity like billions of radio stations transmitting data 
every single second. This information can include abnormal cerebral blood flow, which is a sign of brain stroke. This information is key, but challenging to extract from the massive amount of data. My research is to find the brainwave information most relative to the brain strokes and detect it in a quick and easy way. I calculated a list of numbers, each number representing how brain activity changes in the different locations of the brain at different times. However, these numbers are encrypted in a higher dimensional space. It's like trying to read a message on a crumpled paper ball. So how would you read this information? By unfolding the piece of paper, of course. This is exactly what I did mathematically. After I unfolded the special higher dimensional space of the numbers I calculated, the difference between brain waves from a normal person compared to a person who had a stroke became clear and detectable. My method was able to detect a stroke with 92% accuracy within 30 seconds. Now I'm working on the next step. After unfolding, stretching the space to make that difference even clearer for detection. In the future, a stroke still could happen to you at any time. But this time, you will be aware of it. Your loved ones, your family members can help you better. Thank you. 15 seconds in that competition, Daniel came first. Mm. And honestly, uh, he had a run for his money in that competition because uh, she, was, she was very good. She, and she worked enormously hard on that. I, I helped, I, I coached both of them, of uh -huh. course, I coached her as well. And uh, no, she worked incredibly hard. She, her presentation skills just absolutely soared in, just in a, in a few days. Wow. Yeah, this one seemed particularly difficult because, maybe because it's not immediately experimental. I feel like it's very abstract, highly mathematical. I went to her master's defense, trust uh -huh. me. It was just one equation after another. It had borne, seemed to bear no relationship to this presentation. Wow. I really like the, the crumpled paper analogy, too. Right. That's, that's, I never really brilliant that, stroke. Yeah. yeah, it's a brilliant stroke. So I noticed um, it seemed like her hand gestures and stuff are a bit more dramatic and right. more like, almost like pointing towards things. Like right. she, like brain correct. and correct. things like that. Correct, correct, um, Was, if you recall, did you discuss with her that? Was that like a specific strategy? Oh yes, strategy? absolutely. Well, you know, it has to look natural. Mm -hmm. and, and you know, you, you, when I work with students one-on-one, -on -one, I work with what they feel comfortable yeah. in. We, we, I give them some generic suggestions like I'm doing right now with mm -hmm. my with my hands. Um, if they if if they can adopt them as their own, that's fine. If not, they use whatever is mm -hmm. is reasonable. Um, but I have a little teaser about my workshop, as a, you know, and that is, um, and that is. Many people have used, actually many people have used Daniel's presentation as a template. Okay. In fact, Matthew Campier from Chemical Engineering in the 2019 McMaster competition, instead of a blueberry, he used a ham sandwich. 
he got the idea from the blueberry because he watched those videos uh, and he won the competition. Um, but other people have used her presentation as a, as a template and when we watch Erica Dow's, you'll see the similarity. Um, okay. But you know, formulas tend to work. And that's why advertisers seem to have the same formula. And, yeah. You know, it may be annoying. Oh my God, they're using exactly the same formula. But it works. Yeah. And she's using story format. She starts off with you, your relatives, your friends, and then ends on your loved ones. Mm -hmm. So she returns back to how she began the story. A little bit more than Daniel Tajik does. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Um, it definitely seemed more like she's talking to me. I don't know if that's right. If absolutely, that's absolutely. That, that is intentional. Yeah, that is intentional. I also noticed her <coughs> pacing was. Um, I would say it's much slower than than Daniel's, mm -hmm. and she really emphasized specific mm -hmm. words to really hit you. And that and there's another reason for that. That's the the pronunciation issue and the clarity issue. I really emphasize articulation and clarity of speech very very. Uh, strongly, mm -hmm. because um, if the audience misses just one or two words, if one or two words just don't come through clearly, sometimes the whole deck of cards falls apart. So, so you know, she was really concentrating on clarity. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, especially in three minutes where right. you have, I mean, if you have three hundred words to say and you miss one, that's exactly. a higher exactly. fraction. Exactly, exactly. So we have one more, but this is. This is going to be one of the subjects of your your workshop, right? So maybe maybe we'll just play it for the audience, sure, and and just sort of leave it, sure, leave it as absolutely. a teaser, absolutely, absolutely. She is going to do an in-depth analysis of it. She's okay. going to analyze the script. She's going to analyze the gestures. She's going to analyze it step by step by step in the workshop. So that's going to be definitely a, worth seeing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Before we hit play, I'd just like to thank you again for being on the show. This was awesome. I'm really excited for the workshop, Thanks, which is Adam. coming up on Thursday. Yep. Thursday, ABB 102. Please come. It's, it'll be fun, and there'll be some unexpected, uh, unexpected things will happen. Don't miss it. It's coming up. Thank you, Adam. So here is Erica Dow. Your mother, your grandmother, your aunt, a friend, or maybe even you. We all know somebody that has been affected by breast cancer. But what you might not know is how hard it is to locate a cancerous tumor exactly. With imaging technology, we can find out where the cancer is. And we can also find out where the cancer is not. But what's really hard is to actually find that boundary where cancerous tissue and healthy tissue transition. Where does cancer begin? Is it here? Is it there? Or is it there? This is a real challenge. Surgeons face this every single day. In fact, many breast cancer patients that have their tumor surgically removed have to come back a second time to get what was missed the first time. How can we prevent this? My name is Erica Dow, and my PhD project involves developing a tool that surgeons can use right in the operating room to detect breast cancer. I study how breast tissue behaves when it's stimulated with optical light, 
and x-rays. I look for trends in parameters such as how long do the tissues emit light after being illuminated, or how does the reflected light disperse in different directions, and what are the tissues made of at an elemental level? I use these patterns to create an algorithm for tissue classification. So how does the device work? Well, it's going to be used when it absolutely matters most, during surgery. A surgeon will place this pen-like probe right on top of the breast tissue. It'll emit light and also measure what is emitted or reflected. Within seconds, it will report either cancerous, remove the tissue, or non-cancerous, leave it in place. This device will help surgeons navigate this gray area so that they know exactly how much tissue to remove. Not too little and risk leaving cancer still in the body, but also not too much and unnecessarily removing completely healthy tissue. My goal is that within the next few years, we will have the technology to keep my loved ones and your loved ones as whole as possible. Thank you.